everyone, this is Viv and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. Today we have the honor of sitting with folks over at Lavender Phoenix on organizing power in the Bay Area that is building power for transgender, non-binary, and queer APIs. I'm here with Yuan Wang, Director of Lavender Phoenix, and Bisma Farzansayed, Cultural Strategy Organizer of Lavender Phoenix. Welcome, y'all. Thanks for having us. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited that y'all are here. So, Yuan, please tell us about Lavender Phoenix and the origin of your name, the mission, and the work y'all are doing. Yeah, it's such a great question. I think you gave a great description already, but... Lavender Phoenix was founded under a really different name almost 20 years ago here in San Francisco. It was 2004 and there was a huge rally of over 5,000 conservative Christian Chinese leaders and working class Chinese folks here in the sunset. And there was a small community of trans and queer API folks who looked at that rally that was where folks were carrying signs that said, Um, marriage is between one man and one woman and other things like that and said, that doesn't represent our community. That makes us feel unsafe. We want to spread a different message. And so they got together and they formed an organization known as APACE, the Asian Pacific American Coalition for Equality. And they started to launch counter actions, do education in our own communities here in San Francisco and really change the narrative. Almost 20 years later, we're here as Lavender Phoenix. And even though our name has changed, even though our work has changed, our purpose at its core has stayed the same. We're still about healing trans and queer API folks. We're still about making sure our communities are safe here in the Bay and elsewhere. And now we've built even more mechanisms to make sure that movements beyond just Lavender Phoenix are centering queer folks, are centering trans and API folks in their vision for what a safer world means. So um, that's a little bit about where we come from and a little bit about how we got to who we are today. Yeah. I love that. The history there is so interesting. Um, The history of APIs in the Bay Area and the history of queer community are both so rich And so it's fascinating to hear about the intersection of both. And Bisma, I'm curious to hear about what the world looks like and when the need became very apparent for this community. Ooh, that's a really good question. I think the need has always been there. Um, We live in a capitalist, white supremacist, colonial regime, and our dominant narratives isolate us and tell us that as queer and trans, Asians and Pacific Islanders, our histories and our lived experiences are marginal or non-existent. And so we're forced then to just think about our basic needs um, and then begin to see like joy and pleasure as things that only um, a few privileged people can enjoy. But at Lavender Phoenix, we're doing the work of unlearning these toxic ideas of isolation, of white supremacy, to create these beautiful spaces for trans and non-binary and queer Asian and Pacific Islanders to find our voice and our collective wisdom and happiness. Um, And so I'd say that the work, we've always been doing it and similar to what Ewan had shared earlier, it's just a matter of renegotiating our strategy 
and really leaning into the relationships that make us whole and the stories that bring us together and fight against these dominant narratives to create these ripples of change and to create a world where we all want to live, where we don't have to think just about basic needs, but we think about the joy, the pleasure, and what longevity means for our people, our history, and our culture. Yeah, Bispa, I think that's so beautiful. And I'd also add that Lavender Phoenix is, is new, but we're not the only people to have ever done this work. Our name that we actually just chose and announced earlier this year, it's no homage to Lavender Godzilla and Phoenix Rising, which were the first two ever newsletters written and created by our trans and queer API elders here in the Bay back in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Y'all, our people have been here for decades growing and working with each other. Back then, as it is now, you know, the crisis of the moment that pulled so many people together was the HIV AIDS crisis. So many of our elders share stories about seeing their friends, their loved ones, their chosen family dying and the government ignoring them, pretending those deaths were not happening and refusing to provide any support to our communities. These days, a lot of those elders who created those organizations are still with us. They're members of Lavender Phoenix, supporters, teachers for us. And even though the specific campaigns and issues we're working on are different, we're still drawing on those longtime lessons. Yes, and I think it's very interesting that you brought up the HIV crisis because it was such a pivotal moment for queer folks. Um, what do you think the crisis is that queer folks face today? That is such a great question, Viv. For Lavender Phoenix members, the reason so many of folks are looking to join us day after day is because trans and queer API people are in a deep crisis of isolation. We are in a deep crisis of isolation. You know, when I found Lavender Phoenix, I was just at the start of a really big gender transition journey. I didn't really know anyone else who was going through that in the same way. And even when I'd show up to progressive API organizing spaces I was a part of, I remember sitting in the circle and feeling scared, like my, my throat would close up. I'd feel nervous and tense because I didn't know if I could even share my pronouns, honestly. I didn't know how people were going to respond. And that was in deeply, deeply progressive spaces. So, you know, recently we did a needs assessment of over 200 trans API folks in our community. And it was not a surprise at all that when we looked at the data, more than two thirds of the folks who responded here in the Bay, they said that they'd seriously considered ending their own lives before. More than two thirds of the folks who responded. And the vast majority of folks said that that was not just a coincidence, it was because they were facing deep mental health needs that they couldn't afford to meet, that they were being harassed on the daily, in the streets, at their places of work, by police and by cops, and the other everyday indignities, targeting and violence that folks are facing. So right now, I think that is the biggest need that we're trying to answer. For a long time, Lavender Phoenix was just a place where people could find connection and relationships. Our first flagship project over the 
maybe a decade ago was the Dragon Fruit Project, where we just brought together, I think, almost 100 young folks and elders in our community to share stories and record oral history, kind of like you're doing today, Viv. And um, our, our work has grown beyond that. You know, we're providing uh, peer counseling that's free for trans API folks. We're providing leadership development and political education. We're leading campaigns to end policing in prisons here in the Bay Area, but that's what it is at the root. Uh, we know that our folks are deeply separated, that when they're separated, they are easier to target for violence, and we are trying to bring folks together to build power. Wow, thank you, Yuan. Um, I feel like as someone who's just recently joined the Lavender Phoenix community, a lot of that also resonates with me um, in that I chose, I didn't realize until I came to this organization what it meant to be part of a queer and trans Asian and Pacific Islander community and what it meant to belong. Um, and I didn't realize how empty my search was until I found Lavender Phoenix. And I often felt scared to embrace the fullness of who I was as a creator, as a non-binary and queer South Asian person. Um, also committed to liberation and a leftist politic. Um, and so I remember that my first moment of belonging came from the member assembly that I participated in with Lavender Phoenix. Um, and I remember I volunteered as a radical welcomer, even though I only knew a handful of people and staff um, at Lavender Phoenix at the time. And I really understood what the tradition of radical welcome and how access and care were things that were not just celebrated, but centered in our space. Um, and I remember being one of two radical welcomers, the other being Michelle, my um, now ComCom member and buddy. Um, and I was so enthusiastic to meet people for the first time, um, enthusiastic to learn about the things that drove them to this organization. Um, and to experience just collective joy. Um, and so I got to see um, and hold myself in the fullness of who I am and got to experience and hold that with others as well. Um, and it made me feel grateful because Lavender Phoenix is a community based on care and compassion and a commitment to organize interdependently um, and that this is the norm of our space. Uh, and so even just like the little traditions that we have have such a huge impact in like how I structure myself socially as a person um, and also in my own story of belonging. Thank you both for sharing your stories about how y'all got started with Lavnix. I think your stories are very resonant of the experience of being a person of color and queer. I remember going to an LGBTQ meeting at work and there was a conversation about coming out. And I remember thinking that's a very white concept, not to say um, the let's not talk about it approach is any better. But, you know, there should be a safe space for people with different experiences of being queer. So I'm glad that Lavnix can be that for folks. And I know there's much more work to be done for the queer community to not only be accepted and finally be free and thriving and included. So what can the audience do to help Lavnix and the overall community? Yeah, there's so many ways that people can get involved with Lavender Phoenix. Um, for instance, last fall, um, Lavender Phoenix actually launched the Dragon Fruit Museum. Um, so this is a virtual space that's dedicated 
particularly to the lives and lessons of our trans and queer Asian Pacific Islander history. And so when you go to the Dragon Fruit Museum, there are tons of recordings and interviews that you'll find about the Dragon Fruit Project, um, and as well as really cool interactive um, engagements with our history and tools to also start your own storytelling and historical recollection journey. Um, and so you can visit dragonfruitproject.org to get started on that journey of just self-exploration and historical exploration. Um, we also have the Dragon Fruit podcast, um, which particularly serves to re-engage our community members to share our learnings, our challenges, and celebrations by being part of the Dragon Fruit Project. Um, and the Dragon Fruit Project was basically like a project where over 200 uh, community members took part in creating and activating trans and queer Asian Pacific Islander histories here in the Bay Area. And you can also find the link to the podcast in our website, um, lavenderphoenix.org. Um, and there's also other ways you can participate if, if you want more of a call to action. You can organize with us and volunteer with us. We have com amazing committees that are doing groundbreaking work um, in healing justice, in community safety, and leadership development all for the desire of organizing interpersonally and finding ways to thrive outside of carceral systems of care and punishment. Um, and we lead with loving relationships and a desire to hold our liberative futures together. So you can also find more information for that on our website. Um, and if you are aligned and an ally to our cause, um, consider donating to our organization too. We're a grassroots organization, so we rely on this sort of funding to sustain our work and our movement ecosystem, um, which I'll also direct you to the website for. Um, and lastly, uh, Lavender Phoenix is also holding the A Trans Day of Remembrance scene making workshop on October 22nd from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Zoom. Um, and no prior zine making knowledge is required um, and so if you are a trans Asian Pacific Islander member of our community, um, I encourage you to join us so that you can learn about the history and impact of zines and think about telling your own intergenerational story and how to even approach creating one. Um, and so this will be in honor of a collective zine launch um, for Trans Day of Resilience. And so be sure to follow us on our social media to get plugged in um, to the workshop itself. Uh, we're currently on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Um, our Instagram handle is Lavnix, Lav Phoenix, L A V Phoenix. And our Twitter handle is the same, Lav with an underscore and then Phoenix. It sounds like y'all are doing incredible programming, and I know y'all have been around for two decades now, and Ewan, I would love to hear about the current impact and achievements we can celebrate today. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, celebration is a big part of Lavender Phoenix culture, and so I'm super down to share some things that we're just super excited about. You know, this year, for example, just two weeks ago, we finished the 13th year of our annual summer organizer program, which is a paid fellowship for young trans and queer API organizers. And I was actually a summer organizer just a few years ago. And that's how I got introduced to the organization and our previous director, many of our staff and leaders were as well. So 
I think Bisma and I and all of us, we're just super proud that we're able to nurture a, a cohort where young trans and queer API folks can learn to organize, can be themselves, can come into their own in a world where all of those things are so, so targeted and so unaccepted. So that feels like something that we're really excited to celebrate. At the same time, um, we were leading a five-week training program called the API Queer Justice Leadership Exchange, and it's been almost a decade. But this summer, 25 trans, queer, API, and allied organizers joined us from partner organizations. And, you know, when I did LEX a few years ago, I thought I was going to show up and learn, like, how do you make a canvassing call? Or how do you write um, an effective public statement? But instead I showed up and we did a three hour workshop just about asking for help and understanding why it's hard. We did a half a day about radical welcome, which Bispa mentioned, which is this practice we've learned and tried to keep about how do we make sure that anyone who walks into a Lavender Phoenix room, if they're trans and queer and API, they never have to question that they belong. And so those were the skills that we were really sharpening and honing over those five weeks. And that's really exciting to me too. Um, beyond that, you know, Viv, you spoke earlier about the need for Lavender Phoenix or kind of the work that is urgent and pressing and we're doing right now. You know, our membership has grown almost 80% in just the past two years, right? Our membership has almost doubled in just two years. And I think that's to credit like our existing members, our leaders, our staff people, our culture. But it's also to say that we're in a moment of incredible urgency. A lot of the folks who are coming to us are seeing that Southeast Asian folks in our community continue to be incarcerated and deported. They're seeing that BIPOC trans people continue to be disproportionately attacked and abused by the police. They're seeing day after day that young trans people are suffering deeply from mental health issues that are going unaddressed and unsupported. And so um, for, for me, it's, it's a really exciting win that so many folks are joining Lavender Phoenix. And I think it speaks to that next level of need of support, organizing of leadership development we're trying to meet in the coming, the coming years. That's incredible. I love asking this question um, to learn about the work that's been done and even acknowledge the work that needs to be done still. And I want to take this moment to really celebrate with y'all what y'all have been able to do. So um, just thinking about the things you threw out here and what what are some of the things that allies and people very far removed um, from the community should know and understand about this community? If there's one thing that I wanna leave in this podcast for allies, for accomplices in our community, it's that you do not have to be trans. You do not have to be non-binary to be queer API, to know that our issues are your issues. Our issues are your issues. We have seen over the past two years, an unprecedented wave of attacks on the bodies of trans people, of women, of migrants. And all of these issues are so deeply connected. It's no coincidence that in years when folks on the right can secure electoral power, 
they are pushing hundreds of bills just to restrict trans kids from being able to play sports, from feeling safe and welcome at school, from accessing the health care they need to survive and take care of their bodies. That is no coincidence. We're in an age where trans people, API people, the intersection of both communities, where we are being used as a wedge for the right to win political power. And it is up to everybody. It's not just up to Lavender Phoenix. It is not just up to Lavender Phoenix's members. It's up to everyone to interrupt that struggle wherever it shows up. So like Bisma said, I really call on and recommend you all to check out the podcast, check out the museum, really understand our histories and stories from our own people and use what you learn wherever you are, whether you're in the Bay in California or somewhere else, research what's happening with trans legislation and trans laws in your community. If you're in a school, what are the stories about trans folks that are normalized? What do you need to shift where you are? Um, and really make that work happen where you are, because even though we're a local organization, the issues we're battling against, they're much bigger than what's happening in the Bay. We need everyone to be a part of that. And Bisma, knowing y'all do a lot on the ground organizing in the Bay, what are some tips, movement building tips for moments of escalation or crises that organizers and non-organizers can use? Yeah. Um... That's a wonderful question. And I would say tap into abolitionist resources, organizations, um, because they have been leading the way and the charge for what community safety looks like and should be um, without carceral systems of punishment. Um, I'm reflecting back on our own community safety work at Lavender Phoenix and how um, we role play and care and find safety outside of these systems together through de-escalation trainings by calling on different organizations that have been doing this abolitionist work. Um, some things that I've personally learned is how important prevention planning, how body language and emotion are so integral to how we handle crisis. And the first piece of advice I, I would part with is talk to your neighbors, get to know the people around you um, so that you have an understanding of how to intervene in moments of crisis rather than just serving from a reactive place of I'm in a situation now and I don't know what to do. Um, and remember to be gentle with yourself um, because healing and rest are very much integral to how we practice and embody community safety. Um, and so, yeah, those are some offerings I'd leave in terms of how to approach that work. That is amazing advice. And yeah, a present and future where we can all speak up, rest, address harm in these ways. I would love to see it. And speaking about the future, what are some of the opportunities and dreams and upcoming things to be excited for? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I, I honestly think that's something that Bisman and I think about on the daily together and, and on our own because yeah lavender phoenix we're, we're not just trying to do programs for the sake of programs we're not just setting goals for the sake of goals but we have a vision that extends generations beyond today uh, bisma can attest to this but we actually we've articulated visions that extend generations beyond when we will be alive because we know that that's a responsibility for us to do today 
Um, Viv, can I actually share a story about the future? Of course, I would love to hear it. You know, a few years ago, we were at a retreat with our core leaders, our volunteer body and, and our staff team. And we were being led by a great friend of ours, Michael from the Wildfire Project, who learned this exercise from Joanne Macy and the work that reconnects um, and a lot of indigenous thinkers. But um, we basically traveled to a place outside of time. And each of us paired up and we sat across from each other and we all made like kind of a funny sound. And then we were in a place outside of time. And one of us was ourselves in the present today. And the person across from us was a descendant of our seven generations in the future. And our facilitator who spoke on behalf of our descendants started by saying, it's just so good to see you. I've heard so much about you. And over the course of that next hour or two, our descendants asked us in the present, things were so, so hard back in 2020, 2021. How did you keep going? What made you want to keep organizing? What was your vision for what things would look like when I live? And I remember we sat there and most of us just started sobbing and crying, just kind of holding each other, but doing our best to get thoughts and ideas out of our mouths. And um, so, you know, really specifically on the horizon for Lavender Phoenix and our five-year goals, uh, despite all of the growth in our leadership that's happened the past few years, we are looking to deepen that even further. We know that there are thousands of trans and queer API people who are yet unreached by our work and other organizing in the Bay. We wanna reach them. And we wanna continue developing folks as, not just as organizers who are knowledgeable, but as folks who resolve conflict, as people who ask for help, as people who know and are excited to collaborate with each other, um, people who are guided by their values. Beyond that, we're also looking to partner with a whole host of organizations across the Bay Area, including Asian Prisoner Support Committee, Anti-Police Terror Project, TGIJP, to build out a really strong front that says, we don't need tens of billions of dollars invested in policing while our schools and neighborhoods fall apart. That's an unacceptable condition. And we're looking to fight that as a narrative. And we're also looking to build out a network of healers in our trans and queer API community. We have our peer counseling network. We have our asking for help workshops. There are so many folks in our community with incredible skills. We want to connect with the people who need them. Um, so with those five years goals and our reflection about generations down the line in mind that we're always refining, um, yeah, it's just the responsibility for us to be rooted in the future, even a future that isn't ours to live. I got literal chills from your story. I think people who are working on transforming or changing society, the future is a very present thing we tap into every day when we get to work. Now, I, I know y'all have shared so much wisdom with us so far this entire episode, but I'd love if you both can give us a last nugget of wisdom that, um, that informs your work. A piece of wisdom I would part with is Spend time learning your own history because it will connect you to the movements, the condition, and the person that you are today. Um, there's a lot that we can learn if we see that innovation 
is very much influenced by the learnings and ancestors we bring from our past. I, I love, love that. that. Oh, <laughs> we both love that. <laughs> yeah, we both love that. Yeah, for me, I just want to invite, especially if you're an organizer, if you're a person in community listening to this, to just remember relationships. Um, there's nothing that can replace real trust, real vulnerability, real connection. An organization can be strong, and frankly, as we've seen, an organization can also fall apart. But if we have trust and relationships, those are things that last and can guide us for a long time. So um, thanks for listening to us. And thanks, Viv, for bringing us together. This is such a joy. Yes, of course. And before we leave off, I just want to ask again for your plugs. You know, where can we find you? Sure. Um, I can start with that. Well, for the volunteer links, for how to reach our podcast and to donate to us, you can go directly onto our website, lavenderphoenix.org. If you are interested in learning about the Dragon Fruit Project and doing the virtual museum, that can be found at dragonfruitpodcast.org. Um, or, sorry, dragonfruitproject.org. Um, and if you want to stay up to date with all of the events that we are planning as an organization, feel free to hit us up on social media. Our Instagram handle is lavphoenix. And our Twitter handle is lab underscore Phoenix. Yeah. And if you um, don't just want to listen in, but you want to help educate other folks too, on that dragonfruitmuseum.org link that this was shared, you can find a whole curriculum about how to share and teach about the podcast and the interviews with your own community or lead a similar project yourself with your own people. So um, feel free to do that. And please let us know if you do. I'd be so excited. Thank you so much, y'all, for this wonderful conversation. I've learned so much, and I hope the listeners did too. So, so grateful for y'all. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much for having us, Viv, and hope that listeners connect with us and be grateful for you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information, head to our website at whatgivesproject.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.